One, two, three, four. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms accidentally fill their DVRs with back-to-back Lion Guard reruns and miss out on HBO's latest prestige dramas. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Deborah, and I have three kids. Uh, Tony is eight, and Libby and Nate are five. And I'm Katie, and I have one son. His name is Jay. He's three. They're pretty gosh darn adorable, aren't they? They are pretty cute. So in order to get all of our kid comments out of the way as quickly as possible, we like to tell a little story about how awesome or sometimes awful our kids are. Because obviously, in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. So Deborah, have your kids done anything cute this week? Well, I took them to a swimming pond today, which is this beautiful man-made creation it's chlorinated pool water but with a sandy bottom and a sandy beach cool awesome and it was a little unseasonably cold so they spent like the whole time playing some weird game on the sand and I was able to chat with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for a long time so it was a wonderful afternoon and they were very adorable in the distance. Oh that's so <laughs> nice it's always nice when they entertain themselves. <laughs> oh it is it is. How about Jay? Um, so it was Jay's birthday a couple of weeks ago but because we went to Disney we didn't give him all of his presents like okay. we've just kind of set some aside because you know, we have a fairly big family. I feel like once you get one present from everyone in the family, it's just like a crazy amount of presents, right? It is. Yeah, it totally is. So we had actually set aside the like big ticket item that we had gotten him for his birthday, which was his first bike. So we finally we settled on a balance bike and we finally okay. gave it to him. <laughs> and because he's three years old and not like a little toddler, I got like a slightly bigger balance bike. Mm-hmm. for older kids but because he's so short it uh still doesn't fit him so you have to put the seat like down lower than low and like the handlebars are like almost up by his ears <laughs> <laughs> it's just the cutest thing ever and then like he tries to like shuffle forward with it like you do when you're starting on a balance bike and it's like the bike is just gonna overtake him it's so big <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a mom fail on my part, but <laughs> he'll grow into it. <laughs> he'll totally grow into it. Better than a too small bike, I think. Today, <laughs> I have no segue yeah. into the movie we watched, White Fang on Netflix. Ooh. So it was released this summer in 2018. Um, it's a Netflix original, but... You may have heard of Jack London's famous (laughs) 1906 novel upon which this is based. We picked it because we're au courant. We're always keeping our eye out for new kids movies and shows on all of the streaming platforms, everything that we have available on our screens. And Katie, you read the book when you were a kid? So yeah, I read it as a kid. It was one of the few books that my dad recommended 
Okay. Because I feel like my mom was mostly in charge of the book recommendations growing up. But my dad definitely recommended this and Call of the Wild, Jack London's other dog-related book. Mm-hmm. And I remember really liking it. And of course, I watched the 1991 movie with Ethan Hawke. Did you watch that one? No, I never watched it. And I, when we decided to watch this, I thought that I had read White Fang, but turns out the story was totally new to me. I never read it. I remember reading um, Jack London's short story to build a fire. Oh. Did you ever read that? And I read it in junior high, like, I think eighth grade English. And it really made a big impression on me because it's a brutal story. Really? So I had that. I just had the title mixed up. So this was brand new. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear what you thought about it. (laughs) That actually segues nicely into my first comment about the movie, which is, what the F is the plot of this movie? (laughs) Because I know I read the book as a kid, and I watched the 1991 movie quite a few times because a young Ethan Hawke is pretty adorable. Mm -hmm. And I was like the perfect age. Um, But I had no memory of this being the plot. Like... My head had totally supplanted the actual plot of the novel with the plot of the 1991 movie, which really isn't, it doesn't really have anything to do with the actual plot of the book. So when I watched the movie, I thought, this isn't, they must have just added all this stuff. This doesn't resemble the book at all. So I had to go back and like Wikipedia the plot of the book. And it turns out that this animated movie is way closer to the book than the movie that I was remembering. Oh, sure. I wasn't sure. Yes. Having not read it at all, I was not sure. But I thought it was a good plot. I mean, Jack London, he's a classic American writer. Yeah, he gives you all those good feelings about the country where you live. Like, he's one of those, like, frontier writers, like, Manifest Destiny type writers um it kind of gives similar vibes to like a little house on the prairie although his stories are much like they come later Mm -hmm. right and they're more to do with um like the north like alaska like this one takes place in alaska um i guess do you want to take a shot at just uh summarizing really quick what happened okay so starting out so there's a dog in the beginning and who is that dog it's like in a cage isn't it white fang isn't it like a flashback or a flash forward like they start with him and his dog fighting days and then they jump back to him as a puppy that's right that's the white fang okay so we see a dog we don't know what's going on really and then you see white fang as a puppy he's unclear to me until much later in the movie but he's like a wolf dog like a wolf and a dog and his mother is like teaching him how to survive in the wilderness of Alaska they happen upon a fire where there's like a like a sheriff or a lawman <laughs> yeah the who's man with trans- the tin star <laughs> yeah he's transporting a prisoner who's like all shackled up and they happen upon these guys and you get a little foreshadowing of what's to come. Cause the lawman is like 
let's treat these dogs nicely. And the prisoner is like, let's turn them into fighters, beat the dogs. Um, Gosh, I just watched it yesterday. My memory is terrible. (laughs) Stop. Stop me at any time. All right. So <laughs> we follow <laughs> White Fang as he grows up. He goes to live with some, the Native Americans come first, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he, they know the mother, dog. They know Fang, White Fang's mother. Right. Because she had been a sled dog. And so they, like, the, is he a chief? I don't know. He's like the head of the family that white fang and his mother happen upon and he like nurses the mother back to good health and he teaches white fang to be a sled dog mm-hmm. the chief sells white fang's mother in like some sort of deal so then white fang becomes the lead sled dog but then stuff happens and white fang is acquired by this evil dog fighter named mm-hmm. i don't remember and he like brutally tricks the kind and gentle Native American fellow who has gone to like the gold mining outpost to sell mittens so that he can buy his people's land that they already lived on from the like fur trappers and gold miners who are taking it over and he steals the money and then trades it back for white fang because he sees the potential in white fang to be a prize fighter and it's really sad but of course white fang is a really good dog fighter because he's very vicious so there's a whole really sad chapter of his life where he's being taught to fight and kill Mm mm-hmm and then there's this big dog fight where White Fang fights two dogs at once. He gets his butt kicked. And then our old friend the Marshal with his tin star comes in and stops the fight and takes White Fang home and teaches him to be a good family dog. Yeah, and mostly it's his wife who's like a really a Ma Ingalls type of frontiers woman who sees the goat in White Fang and, like, teaches him not to kill the chickens. But she doesn't teach him not to kill the chickens. She relies on his, like, superpower to not kill the chickens. That was kind of a ridiculous plot point. (laughs) Super ridiculous. Super ridiculous. And then the criminals show up, including the prisoner who has escaped along the way. And so he and the... Like the little fighter dog troll who (laughs) cheated his way into owning White Fang. They show up and White Fang saves the lawman and Ma Ingalls from the criminals. (laughs) And then they hightail it out of there. Like they they decide to go back to California because they're having a baby. And they at first they think they're going to take White Fang with them. But then they realize that White Fang belongs in the Yukon. So they let him roam free. Which historically mm-hmm. has not worked out very well for White Fang. So right. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right. What did you think of the focus on White Fang's perspective without much narration? Like, did that make the plot drag for you? Because a lot of the first part of the movie was him just like growing up with his mom and you didn't have much talking really. It was just a focus on the two wolves. Um, if I had been watching it by myself, yes, it would have dragged, but I watched 
the first part of the movie with my kids and they provided plenty of narration. Oh yeah. Do you have some <laughs> choice examples? Um, I mean, they just like talked and talked it through like, Oh, there he is. That's his mother. That's his mother. He's a like, he's a bad guy. What's going to happen? What is he eating? <laughs> what kind of food is that? And it was like dried salmon. I think that they were tossing to the dogs. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. How about you? Um, yes, it dragged for me, but I thought it had more to do with the narr or not not narration, more to do with the animation style than anything because mm-hmm. I really disliked the style of animation. So the longer oh, stretches, yeah. The longer stretches of plot where like it was just visuals even though they were trying to focus on the beauty of nature and blah, 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 there was just no appreciating it because the animation was awful. Seriously, all the people looked like cadaver raisins. It was really bad. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> okay, so here's my theory, right? So they focus a lot on how much white fang is drawn to the light, right? There are a lot of like contemplative scenes of the dog looking up at the sun or the moon or looking at how the sun hits mm-hmm. something or blah 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 But the problem with focusing so much on light when you have such angular human characters, it's mm-hmm. that like every possible angle and plane that can be seen on the human face is accentuated and it just it looks so ridiculous. It was really weird. Like the people I thought looked like there's like some kind of an app on Facebook where people can make their profile pictures look like an artist painted them. And I thought they had that look to them. It was really weird. Like it seemed incomplete almost like we were watching a draft of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, the color was washed out like overexposed film and Sometimes there was, like, not enough contrast. It was really weird. It was very strange. And now that you said that, it does totally remind me of, like, some Snapchat filters. Yeah, I. it was just, it was bad enough that it was distracting. And I know that, like, Netflix produces so much original content that, like, we can't expect quality around every turn. So, but I don't know why I expected better of them. Like, did they just not look at it before they put it up? I don't know. Maybe they watched it on a little phone screen. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the little weaselly dogfighty guy would have looked super weird even on a little phone screen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The animation was not so great, guys. Um, Do you think it was helped at all by the voice cast? I thought the voice cast was pretty good. So um, Paul Giamatti is like the evil guy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, um, who's the Parks and Rec guy? Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. He's the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashida Jones was the Ma Ingalls. I thought they were fine. I just have to step back for a moment and say that I just can't with Paul Giamatti. I can't do it. Not even just a voiceover? I can't. And, and like, huh. he played, like, the ugliest, weirdest-looking character in the movie, so that maybe made it worse but like ever since I saw Sideways which was pretty much his like big breakout right 
Mm-hmm. I just hated that movie so much. And it's not his fault. Plenty of people think it's a good movie. But it has just soured me on him forever and ever. I He can't get back in my good graces. I just hate that movie so much. And I hate him in that movie. <laughs> so. This is a time where our our tastes wildly diverge. Did you like Sideways? <laughs> I liked Sideways. Yeah, really? I thought it was good. Yeah, and then I even saw that film where he plays... Um, the comic book, the famous, yeah, famous Harvey comic book. Yeah. I saw I would it too. Never have... that too. <laughs> See, I watched that because Paul Giamatti was in it. You watched it in spite, in of... spite of the fact. And I really want, wanted slash want to see John Adams, that miniseries that he did ages ago. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be mm-hmm. really good. Because I'm interested in American history. I like prestigious miniseries, but I can't make myself watch it because I just know that I'll hate it. And I'll hate it for many, many hours. Yeah, you shouldn't watch that. So that kind of took away. But my love of Nick Offerman balanced it a little bit. Did you know that he has a new show with Amy Poehler where they judge people making crafts? I saw like a pre like a promo for it. I heard a promo and, and on the radio. Like real... It's like real people doing real crafts, right? Yeah. Or is it like a... It's not like a spoof or anything, I don't think. Okay. Because I, when I saw the promo, I thought maybe it was like a Christopher Guest type of deal. <laughs> no, I think it's sincere. I think they both like crafting. Oh my God. I hope that Amy Sedaris pops up in that show somewhere. <laughs> that would be great. Didn't she put out like a... Not serious, semi. I don't even think it was semi serious. Book about like how to be a hostess and how to. Yeah, I have it. It has real recipes. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I I thought. (laughs) But it's like recipes on how to make peas so that they look like they are from a photograph of like a 1955 Betty Crocker cookbook. So like, just overcook them till they're gray. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> With pearl onions. She's big on pearl onions. Voice cast, solid, solid work. Can't make up for the <laughs> crappy animation. <laughs> so you hadn't read or seen White Fang before. Have you seen or enjoyed any other movies in what I refer to as the noble dog genre? It took me a little while to come up with the title, but do you remember Homeward Bound? Yes, I tried to watch it with Jay fairly recently. He was not into it yet. I really liked that movie when I was a kid. That was a sweet one. Also based on a book, I believe. And Benji. Remember Benji? Yeah. I think Netflix may have just remade Benji, too. So I really liked those movies when I was a kid. They're not something that I've ever sought out as an adult, though. How about you? I agree. I don't know. I spent a long time as a kid really wanting a dog so I think Mm -hmm. that the noble dog genre is very appealing when you're young because it kind of hits that sweet spot right right what did you think about the sort of like the frontier mythology of it see this is maybe a movie that I would have really liked like when I was a young adult but I feel like I've read enough like cultural criticism that I recognize that like none of Jack London's works would ever pass like the Bechdel test. Well, especially since I'm fairly certain that the wife character in this movie is like much more fully realized than in the book. There were some really good um, 
lines of dialogue that I would imagine are taken straight from the book. Like, and they're just brutal. Like when White Fang has, like when his mother has to go with the dog Mm -hmm. sledder and um, she turns and like, she's just really, she growls at him and barks at him and lets him know that he, he can't come with her. And like, then the Native American says, the time for mothers is over. That was heartbreaking. I definitely missed it up at yeah. that moment. All of that like mother-son separation was a little bit too much for me. But yeah, you definitely as a kid, you don't realize how problematic just the settlement of the American West and America in general was. So it's mm-hmm. easier to get caught up in the romanticism of it. Yeah. Oh, but okay. Did we cover all the dog movies you wanted to talk about? Oh, I have like a whole list. Um, okay. A pretty funny anecdote about me as a young teenager and how I didn't understand how big cities were. Okay, so White Fang is half wolf, half dog, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this other famous story about a half wolf, half dog named Balto that was later made into a cartoon. But when we were kids, it wasn't it wasn't a cartoon. It was just a story that I read in like a childcraft book or something. About this dog that, like, was the reason that the Iditarod dog sled race was created because there was some sort of epidemic in, gosh, now I'm going to forget the different towns in Alaska. I'm sorry if we have any Alaskan listeners. I think it's Nome and is it, like, to a big city like Anchorage? I don't know. Nome is definitely one of the cities. So this noble dog, like, ran from one of these towns to the other town to get the medicine for the people who were dying in his town. And that's why they have this really big dog sled race on supposedly the same trail. So they erected a statue to this half dog, half wolf, Balto, in Central Park, New York. Mm -hmm. And when I was a tween, my family took a vacation there. And I really wanted to see the statue, but I didn't understand how, like, big cities worked and that you couldn't just, like, walk through Central Park and find it. That, like, you would need to, like, know, like, what around what intersection it is or, like, what are some other landmarks near it. So I dragged my family through Central Park for, like... Oh, like, all of it? (laughs) And I was insistent that we had to find the statue, but I could tell that everyone else was really mad at me. So by the time we found it, which I I don't know how miraculously we did, this was before cell phones or anything like that, (laughs) my face is just so miserable in the, like, two pictures that the family took of us standing next to the dog because I was so embarrassed that I dragged them all around, but at the same time, I wouldn't let them stop. (laughs) Oh, poor tween Katie. Yeah, yeah. Tween Katie had a lot of those moments. <laughs> oh. But that's my last noble dog story. The the movie that they made about Balto is not is not a bad cartoon if you're looking for a kid's cartoon about a noble dog. And that's a true story? Um, I I based on the truth. They say it is, yes. Yeah, that's incredible. I did not know anything about Balto. So if you're ever in Central Park, Look I'll it wander up around before until you go. Find it. <laughs> I have never seen this movie, but I also thought about Marley and Me. Oh, I've only seen like the last 15 minutes and cried my eyes out. <laughs> That's a noble story, right? Yeah. Isn't he a noble dog in that? Yeah. Well, I think the point is that he's, because like I said, I only saw the last 15 minutes, but like he's not a very good dog, but he's that family's dog, so they love him. Oh, okay. 
Okay. So when eventually, spoiler, they have to put him down, it's very sad. That's like old yeller. Oh, did you read where the red fern grows when you were a kid? Oh my god, yes. 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 I think that was my first public ugly cry book. I think that was the first time I... I realized that I really like reading books that make me cry. Once upon a time I did. Now I can't. I do not want to cry. <laughs> oh. Unexpectedly, things will make me cry, but I do not seek them out anymore. <laughs> sure. I like to bottle up all my feelings. And then get them out in a rush. And then read something unrelated to my life. And then that's the time that I feel all my feelings. Oh, that's great. That sounds super healthy. Yeah. so did you compare uh white fang to any adult movies or tv shows well so it had a bit of a i mean i wasn't sure what to go with like just the dog angle or like the sort of goldilocks feel to it like this home isn't right for me you know this home isn't right for me because the people are too mean (laughs) this home isn't right for me because the people are too domesticated um so i went with um that will smith vehicle i am legend where he has the pal who's a german shepherd oh the zombie one yeah (laughs) (laughs) talk about things that make you cry oh man yeah (laughs) that's rough (laughs) yeah but oh man i love will smith he's so great Hey, I just read today that he is going to play the genie in the remake of Disney's Aladdin. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, it'll be an interesting I would, I would watch that. <laughs> Maybe we'll watch it for the show. Um, how about you? What did you come up with? So the one that immediately came to mind that had a similar sort of like, I know it's not up north in Alaska, um, but a similar sort of like American frontier feel for me was Dances with Wolves. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, wow. It was definitely one that, like, got a lot of love at the time. I think it won a Best Picture Oscar and possibly even a Best Director Oscar for Kevin Costner, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Um, so. But it's one that does not hold up. I'm not sure if it doesn't hold up because it's just terribly dated or it doesn't hold up because I'm older now. But uh, I have since tried to watch it and just been completely, completely unable to. Like, I can't sit through it. It's just like a big bundle of cliches about Native Americans and it has the whole white savior angle. And it's just hard to stomach these days. Um, Okay. But it's much more successful than this movie White Fang was because it's a live action movie at like showing you the stunning beauty of the American West before it was tamed. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, there are scenes where Kevin Costner bonds with a wolf. So that's the obvious c- connection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I can't recommend it, unfortunately. That's good to know. I won't. It's a really long movie. I think that's why I've never, yeah. never watched it. Did you cast the gritty HBO Ruby reboot? Okay, so I think we could do a live action version with pretty much the same voice cast, or at least those same three headliners. Um, but I would just 
In addition to wanting it to be live action so it could be prettier and not look at all like it looked, uh, we could also make it bloodier. Maybe we could have someone with like a really distinct like visual gore style direct it, like maybe a Tarantino or something. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Have it be more like the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Which I have not seen, The Revenant, but yeah, I know where yeah. you're going. Yeah. That's a good idea. A little more R-rated. Yeah. Yeah, more true to the Jack London's original vision, probably. Maybe if I could remember what that was. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? <laughs> okay, well, I went in a different direction, and I would recast... White Fang with Grumpy Cat. <laughs> and I would make it more of a, I would focus more on the Goldilocks. I need to find the right place for me to live angle. And I would just have Grumpy Cat like move in with different pop stars. Like I'd like to see how Justin Bieber takes care of a Grumpy Cat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I would like to see how maybe a Miley Cyrus takes care of a grumpy cat. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see how like uh, Andre 3000 takes care of a grumpy cat. And then I think eventually grumpy cat will land somewhere where grumpy cat has the perfect like released into the wild moment, which for grumpy cat is probably just like a mansion <laughs> where he can be by himself. <laughs> So was it better when we were kids? We talked about a lot of dog movies already, but remember Lassie reruns on Nickelodeon? Yes, yes. I don't know that it gets better than Lassie. I know, that just tugs at the heartstrings in exactly the right way. Ugh, the theme song. (laughs) So good. What is it, girl? What is it, girl? (laughs) And I think even that 1991 White Fang movie was so good. You should, if you don't go back and watch Dances with Wolves, but go back and watch that movie. I'm curious to go back and watch it to see if it's any good. But I remember it just being the most awesome thing. And it's got to be better than this weirdo animated thing that Netflix just put out. (laughs) I think I'll try to watch that with Libby. Libby really, my daughter Libby, she really liked White Fang, like... We watched half of it one day, me and all three kids. And then today, when we were going to finish it, the boys didn't really want anything to do with it. That's funny. It seems like such a stereotypical boy book. Maybe that's because I go back to the fact that my dad recommended it to me. Oh, if I mean, if you're going to guess at all, of course. Yeah, it's for sure gendered. Yeah, sorry to generalize Bail. like that. No, I I would do the same thing. Um, but Libby really loves animals, so and her favorite character was the lynx. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that near that nearly kills White Fang's mother. They need to do one of those like turnabout books that were really pop that are really popular with some. You know, like they did Longborn, which was like the turnabout of Pride and Prejudice, where it's from the servant's perspective. Or oh yeah, or the wind ungone. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. they need to do it from the perspective of the links. <laughs> but yeah, definitely watch that 1991 movie with her. The focus is much more on the relationship between White Fang and this young boy who is, I guess, like a completely fabricated character that wasn't in the book at all. <laughs> 
but go ahead and see if a young Ethan Hawke is still dreamy. I will. <laughs> so, uh, would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, the animation was just the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, I would, like, seek it out and, like, force somebody to watch five minutes of it to show them an example of really bad animation. But that's the only time I would watch this again. You know what might be awesome? What? If Nick Offerman read the audiobook. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be great. Nick, if you're listening, definitely do that. Or Mr. Offerman, if you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> so we we kind of already covered this, but should we do 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids? Sure. Um, I did think for my kids who are easily scared, some of the scenes were a little brutal and it's not that there's a lot of violence on screen, but it, there's a lot of tension Mm -hmm. and you know what's coming. And I think if you have like a sensitive viewer might be a little scary. Otherwise, it's a fine story. Yeah, it's heartwarming in the end. Mm-hmm. I thought too some of those seeds. Well, sorry, some of those scenes even in the beginning, with just White Fang and his mother, there were so many like almost moments where one or both of them was hurt just because it's trying to establish like the perils of living in the wild as an animal, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, but I watched most of that beginning part of the movie with Jay, and he definitely got a little scared like when white fang would be separated from his mother he was really concerned and stuff like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh ratings i would give it a three and a half generous how about you <laughs> i would go for maybe a two and a half i mean i like the story <laughs> once i remembered it but it's, i just couldn't get past the look of the thing yeah this is a tough one to rate because like it's like part of the American literature canon, but we're not judging that. We're judging the movie. I don't know. I Paul Giamatti doesn't <laughs> bother me that much, so I'm gonna. I'll stand by my three and a half. But he didn't bother you even with his weird character design. I mean, he was like a little ogre. I don't think he drew it. No, I know. I'm not blaming him. <laughs> I'm just saying the combination of the way they made his character look and knowing it was his voice. Just, yeah, I can't. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, speaking of, this is like a total departure. Speaking of prestige television that gets recorded over for our kids' cartoons. um, Mm -hmm. Have you ever watched his show with, uh, gosh, now I'm going to forget the other guy's name. His show with the guy from Homeland that he does on Showtime called Billions. Oh, no, but because we don't have Showtime, but I really like uh, Brody. Yeah. Gosh, what is his yeah. name? It's Damien. Is it Damien Lewis? I think that's it. That is one that I would like to watch someday. It looks good. We actually, we made it through a big chunk of the first season, and it was really only my aversion to Paul Giamatti that made me stop watching it. Um, oh, wow. It was pretty good. I think Damian Lewis is so good at doing an American accent. Like, <laughs> he does the best American accent out there. Um, Where is he from? He's English. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Um, huh. And yet he plays all these great American characters. Well, 
whatever. It's it's worth a watch, I think. I heard it got even better in the second season, and I'm sad that I can't, I just can't watch it, but... <laughs> But someday, perhaps it's worth checking out at your library. Do libraries still get, like, new TV seasons on DVD? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad they still do. Yeah. Um, at the Family Video Store in Worthington, Minnesota, you can get, like, all the Showtime That's awesome. dramas on DVD. Yeah. I love that they're still up and running mm-hmm. after, like, the last Blockbuster has closed. Actually, they may have closed at the time of this recording. (laughs) (laughs) The last time I was in town, I could not believe the section of selection of Showtime dramas available. So that was kind of a tangent, guys. Uh, Any other thoughts on White Fang? I think we covered it. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions or general comments at at myscreentime2. Or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye!